Am I on? Can you hear me? All right. Um, I am David North, for those of you who don't know me. And um, Saturday, Saturday evening, I actually went playing paintball with Jordan Warner here and my son Johnny, and uh, toward the end of the last game, that uh, paintball game we played, I... I got unfairly shot right here and, and, and got this, like, baseball-sized bruise on my stomach. And, and I left the place feeling really angry. And uh, when I was driving home, I got a text from Pastor Dennis saying, I know this is short notice, but would you preach Wednesday night? And I was like, there's no way I'm going to preach. <laughs> I was not in the mood. <laughs> um, but on on Sunday, I didn't answer him Saturday night, um, but Sunday morning during the morning worship service, just sitting over there where Debbie and I do, I just felt like God spoke to me to um, to share a sermon with you that I shared with our youth just two months ago. And I don't really like um, recycling sermons, not that I preach that often, but... Um, I believe this is what I'm supposed to share with the people who are sitting in this room at this time on this night. So in, in Emerge, I, I'm usually upstairs on, on Wednesday night, uh, one of the youth sponsors, and a couple months ago we went through a, a series of sermons on the four core values of Emerge Youth Church. And, and those core values are that we are a family made of friends, that found people find people, that saved people serve people, and that growing people change. And the, the first week, um, Jeremy talked about being a family made of friends and the fact that in Emerge, it's our goal to be like a family, that we have a group of people that really cares about each other and enjoys being together, and that sometimes we have conflict, but we don't abandon each other at the first sign of a problem. We, we work through those issues because we love each other and we are a family. And then the second week, Jeremy preached on found people find people. And the idea that if we're found in Christ, we're commanded to find other people and to lead them to Christ. Jeremy did an illustration toward the end of his sermon that night where he took live goldfish and he threw them out on the floor of the youth room and they're flopping around. Can you picture this? And uh, there were just a ton of the youth that just ran immediately and started picking up those fish and putting them back in the water. And I pray for the day that we are as concerned about the spiritual destiny of our family and friends as we were about saving those goldfish that night in youth two months ago. It, It was a powerful, powerful illustration and then that third week, I got to share about save people, serve people. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. I want to share with you about um, save people, serve people. I've heard it said that you're not saved by good works, but you're not saved without them. Have you ever heard that before? You're not saved by good works, but you're not saved without them. So I want you to think about this, that... God is not God because he does miracles, but God does miracles because he is God. 
And in the same way, because it's of his very nature and his very essence that, that he does those things. And in the same way, I'm not a Christian because I do good works or because I serve people, but I serve and I do good works because I am a Christian. Because God's changed me on the inside, then that has to work its way out in the way that I act on the outside. What I do on the outside has to come from what's on the inside or it really doesn't count. You were saved to do good works according to Ephesians 2 verse 10. Philippians 2, 1 through 8 says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Don't merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Excuse me. (coughs) Something to be grasped, but... He took on the very nature of a servant and being made in being made in the likeness of men being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross. And I want you to focus in on on the first part of verse 7 that says he emptied himself and took on the nature of a servant. As saved people, we are to serve people. I think we often have a very narrow view of what serving really is all about. We And please hear my entire thought here, okay, before you pass judgment on what I'm about to say. We serve at the doors. We, we have our greeters. We have our Sunday school teachers and our Royal Ranger leaders and our impact leaders. And we have all these programs and these things that we do. And those are tremendous forms of service that we can offer to God and to this church. But I don't believe that that is the type of service that Paul was talking about in Philippians 2. I believe that the nature of a servant that Paul was talking about is much more personal than that. It's getting involved in people's lives at the point of their need. I'm going to have Dave, um, I was going to show you a video, but as you can see, we have no screen. But I want you to listen to this three-minute video, and then I'm going to continue. An example of doing the little things that make a difference and being being Jesus to someone um, is something I saw a few months ago. I was... um, I was out on a street called East Hastings, which is in Vancouver, and it's well known as the uh, worst postal district, or zip code, in, in North America. Um, it's, it's a place where uh, drug addicts go to die. It's full of homeless people. Um, has North America's first safe injection site, where you can actually legally inject heroin, supervised by the government. It's that bad. And uh, it's one of the areas where our, where our teams work. And um, we have a, a training school for, for people who are trying to figure out is this what I want to do in my life and we took nine of them down for a night and we're working with this church that's on the street there and they'd asked me to speak which is kind of a weird thing you know I'm dealing with these people who are totally homeless and they're totally many of them are high and they come into this church because the church is feeding them and the deal is they get this food and then they 
listen to some guy doing worship, and then I stand up and speak about how great life is. And I'm kind of like, I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, Lord, what am I going to say? So anyway, our team of eight young people, nine young people, sorry, are uh, helping serve the food. And at one point, this guy comes, and he sits down, and I'm standing here, and, and there's a row of chairs there, and he sits there, and he's kind of like this. He's... He's so high and he looks like he hasn't slept for days, but he's this. And he's got this plate of eggs and beans and toast and sausages there. And it's in his hand. And he's trying to get his fork to stab the sausage so he can get it in his mouth. And he's moving like that. He gets one in and it sort of misses his mouth and goes in. And then we're watching him. And me and Rob aren't saying anything. It's a very moving thing to watch. And all of a sudden, the plate begins to tip and he can't stop it. And all this food, and I don't know when the last time he ate was... All this food just slides off the plate, lands in his lap, just drips onto the floor, and he's just sitting there looking at it like that. And just from this side comes Naomi. Naomi is one of our 17-year-old people. And she comes into this mess of this this guy who's stinking and smelling and food all over him. And she kneels down in the middle of this pile of baked beans, gets it all over herself, and she takes a cloth and she starts to clean him. And as she's cleaning, she cleans him all over, then she takes his plate, she goes back, she goes behind the counter, so she gets to the front line, she fills it with food, and she brings it back out to him, and she holds it, covered it. She's now covered in the beans and everything, and she's holding it while this guy's eating. And I, I saw Jesus. Naomi was Jesus at that moment, and that's when I got up and spoke, that's what I spoke about. That Jesus enters into our world in the way that Naomi entered into the, this guy's mess. And he makes a difference cleans people up and he provides a place and a hand that steadies the plate so you can get some food. Matthew 25 verses 31 through 40 says, but when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, To the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. A little over a year and a half ago, I took Jordan Warner, Jordan's sitting down here on the front row, and Harrison Gregg to Toledo, Ohio for um, this event called 4.5. It was a a four-and-a-half-day poverty immersion experience where we experienced what it was to be homeless. The only clothes that we got to wear were clothes that we got at the clothing bank, and we ate at the soup kitchens and uh, sat around the campfire with people who had no place to lay their head. Um, 
it, it was an amazing experience to me, and I felt so out of my element. I, I'm, a, I'm a problem solver. I fix things. You know, I figure out ways to make things better or to fix things or, or solve problems. But I was so out of my element in that setting because there was absolutely nothing that I could do to help, or that's how I felt. You know, it, it, normally it's like I could at least pull out my checkbook and write a check, and it, but the need was too great. And I, I figured out by the end of that experience that sometimes the most loving thing that you can do is just to sit and to listen to someone's story. You may not be able to provide the financial need that that person has. You may not be able to take in a truckload of food for that person. But sometimes all that person wants is for someone just to acknowledge that they're a person and just to sit and to hear their story. It it was an amazing, amazing experience for me. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9 says, After these things there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, and it has five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Are you getting this picture? Is that one of the weirdest things you've ever heard? So, so there's this pool, and at certain times of the year, certain seasons, it says, the angels would come and stir the waters up. And when the waters would stir, people were able to go down and get into the water and they would be healed. That's just really strange to me. <laughs> but um, so the angels stirred up the water and then whoever then first, after, stir, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. There was a man who, who was there who had been ill for 38 years. Can you imagine this? 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time in that condition, Jesus said to him, you want to get well? <laughs> I mean, are you getting this? Do you want to get well? No, I've just been here 38 years, you know. Do you, do you wish to get well? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But when I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet and walk. And immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and he began to walk. So who are the blind and the deaf and the lame? I contend tonight that we are the ones who are blind because so often we're unable to see the needs of the people who are even sitting right next to us. And that often we are the ones who are deaf because we're unable to hear God's voice in worship and prayer and and at other times when he's trying to speak to us. I contend that we are the ones often that are lame because we're unable to stand 
for who or what we believe in and simply bow down to the pressures of the world even when God's calling us to do something and to follow him. How many of you know that you're the one tonight who's in need of God's touch, but you don't have anyone to help you into the pool so that you can be healed? Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. I've asked two of our youth tonight if they would help me. And um, I, Dakota said he wanted to go first. <laughs> but I've asked these guys just to come and share their story with you. Okay? So if you would just give them your attention. Oh, now he wants uh, Jordan to go first. <laughs> so come on, Jordan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, here. Here you can just hold that. Hi, I'm Jordan, for any of you that don't know me. Um, Marsha Warner, if she's here. She's my mom. Um, So I was born with her, kind of, (laughs) yeah. But I was born into a Christian family, um, and I I went to church, you know, every Sunday, every Sunday night, because that's what we did at the time. Um... Grew up going to, like, rainbows and ranger kids and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I didn't really understand what any of that was about. Um, I I was just kind of going because I was like, oh, hey, my friends are at church. And so I would go for my friends, and that that would really be the only reason. <clears throat> and uh, we we would have devotions and stuff. At home, before we went to bed, we would pray as a family. And, you know, as a kid, I thought I had, like, the perfect family, like a movie family almost, like just just perfect. And um, one of the pastors at the time, uh, Barry Young, um, I really liked him when I was little because I would just talk to him all the time, and he was really funny. Um, but he came to my house one time, and... I liked him, so I, I ran down the stairs, gave him a hug. I was I was kind of confused because he was at my house. Um, and then my parents called a family meeting, which has never happened before. And um, they told all three of us kids, um, my two sisters and I, that they were getting a divorce. Um, and I was, it was right before my third grade year, at, at that time, and um, that was that was a lot to carry right then, because um, I I wasn't really sure what that meant, but that night my dad was gone, and uh, for a growing boy that was that was really tough to go through, um, and you know from then on I felt like the world was against me. Um, I felt like I lost all my friends because they didn't understand. Um, I just felt rejected by everything. I got, as, as like a third grader, I got really depressed because, you know, I didn't have a father and everyone else did. Um, and so I would, I would still go to church, but I got nothing out of it. Um, I, I would pray, 
but not really mean it. I just did it because I knew I was supposed to. Um, and, you know, I'd go to uh, kids' camps, and it would my life would change for like a week, and then I would just go back to this sad kid. Um, but then I, I grew up, um, and I, I went to youth, and um, the people in youth are what really, like, brought me up in this, in this thing with my family, um, because, um, it's, it's such a strong family that we can tell each other anything. It's, uh, a family made of friends, like David said, um, and they're, they're the only reason that I can, I can carry on, because, um, they're just there to support me, like like Dakota, and uh, we have a group called the Pathfinders at David's house, um, and we we can just talk about anything and pray over anything with each other, and you know it, it really strengthens me up, and you know that that's where I'm at today, and I, I don't really have a problem with my divorce anymore, uh, my parents' divorce, not my divorce, um, <laughs> and um, really I think it's gotten me a stronger connection with both of my parents because I get one-on-one time with both of them instead of, like, them almost competing for um, for attention, I guess. So, I really, I, I consider it a good thing, as weird as that is, just because I have such a personal connection with my, my dad and my mom. So, I mean, God can make weird things work out. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> my name is Dakota Young. Um, I'm 15, and my mom back there is Paula Young. And uh, I I grew up with Jordan, too. I did all the stuff he did. We were, we, we, uh, we were like, long childhood friends. Um, but this past two years, uh, my life took a turn because um, uh, my... My dad, he had some depression issues, and uh, he's he didn't he wasn't uh, good with his life. But he didn't think we had a good life. He he wanted something more. But he was a loving, caring dad. He he always loved me. But that just started happening all of a sudden. Then he wanted to move to Florida, and he was down there for a year. And we my mom, me and my mom stayed up here for a year. Then, like, two years after that, we moved down there with him for a couple months. But while he was down there, one night I was at football practice down there, and uh, he uh, he started drinking while he was driving, and he got in a really bad wreck, and he got caught. He was in, he got caught to jail for uh, a DUI, and uh, he was in there for a year, and me and my mom had to move back here. We were struggling all that year with money and financial issues. And uh, I had my friends to keep me close, to keep me good with God and all that. If I didn't have them, I don't know where I would be. But just recently, like a month ago, my dad, his his hearing was like a month ago, and he got sentenced for seven years in prison. And so now I'm here, and I've forgiven him. But I'm just glad I have my mom who's supporting me, and I'm supporting her because it's hard. And I have all my friends, and I have David North and my youth pastor. 
And I go to that Pathfinder thing, and they really help me a lot. Yeah. Now you know why I like uh, working with these guys. They're awesome. Do I have that upside down? I do. I think the reason that we become spiritually lame is because we try to carry our burdens alone. Let me repeat that. The reason we're often spiritually lame is because we try to carry our burdens alone. You know that there's people sitting right next to you in this room that are struggling tonight? Back in 2003, um, I, I had taken one of the boys from one of our group homes uh, to school, and I... I had dropped him off, and I, I was walking down the hall to leave the school and go back wherever I was going, I don't know. And uh, all of a sudden, as I was walking, just with every step, this leg here would just kind of start just jerking, kind of like this. And it was really weird, and I was walking next to the school nurse, and she was kind of freaking out. She's like, you need to go to my office now. And she thought I was having a stroke. And, whoops, I went to... Uh, Went to the emergency room and saw a neurologist and come to find out, just to make a long story short, my uh, spinal cord in my neck wa- was flat. You know, the bundle of nerves that goes down through the spine was totally flattened. And they said I could be paralyzed at any time. So got home and we're, we were making arrangements for when I was going to have surgery a few weeks later, uh, spinal fusion. And it was a really kind of a a scary surgery, but we're making phone calls and doing this and doing that and just trying to make all these arrangements. And um, I went in to say prayers with my son Johnny that night. How many of you know Johnny? He's hard not to know around here. Um, Went in to say prayers with Johnny. He was just a little guy back then, and uh, he was 11, but probably weighed 40 pounds at 11 years old, something like that. And uh, he asked me if I'd lay down by him on his bed. He wanted to talk to me. So I, I laid down by him, and he says, Dad, you having surgery? And it's like, we hadn't said anything to him, but Johnny just senses things sometimes, that things aren't right. And I said, yeah. And um, he said, Dad, are you coming home? And he had lost everyone in his life that he ever cared about. And he was afraid he was going to lose his dad. And I tried to reassure him the best that I could. Um, And then it was a couple weeks later, uh, he was with my wife, Debbie, and uh, he says, Mom, I have to take off school on January 30th. And she's like, why? (laughs) Well, my dad's having surgery. (laughs) And she said, well, you can go to school and... By the time school's over, he'll be out of surgery, and you can go see him, and it's all good, you know? And he's like, no, I have to be there. My dad needs me. And there are times in our lives that we simply need another person to help us to carry our burdens. 
I think about my granddaughter, Caitlin. She loves her dad. She loves her mom. Her mom and her dad don't get along. It's like cats and dogs fighting. And Caitlin gets caught in the middle. Or I I think about people in our, our church who have suffered with cancer or, or who are facing divorce or who have so many deep and pressing needs. Or I think about my own life, um, me and Debbie, over, especially over the last couple months, things have been so difficult with our business and just different things going on. And I had a cancer scare a couple months ago and Thankfully, that's not a, a problem at this point. But I am probably going to have to have another spinal surgery pretty shortly. And, and, and there's just so many things going on. And, and, and I look at this cross that God's given me to bear, just these struggles and, and, and these things that I have in my life. And, and, and I look at this cross and I, I kind of think, no, that's just too much, you know. And but, but, but eventually, I, I just see if what I can do, and I struggle, and I struggle, and finally, I realize that I was never meant to carry this alone. Never. You were never meant to carry that burden alone. Jordan, would you help me? (laughs) Over the last few months, Jordan has become my prayer partner. At 10 o'clock every night, both of our alarms go off. We were at a Royals game a couple months ago, and uh, 10 o'clock came, and both of our phones just instantly at the same time went off, and we kind of look at, looked at each other with this big grin. <laughs> it's like, that is so cool. Because I know every night at 10 o'clock, he prays for me, and I pray for him. And we talk, and, and we just share things, and, and our Pathfinder group, and people in this church and that there are problems that all of us face, and some of those things we feel like we can handle on our own, but it's always better to let someone help you carry that burden. Even Jesus, when he was carrying his cross, had Simon of Cyrene to help him carry it the rest of the way when he couldn't do it anymore. The problem is we get so focused on our own problems that we become blind to the needs of others. We stay on a superficial level in our relationships. And tonight I'm praying that, like, like the, uh, the song we sang earlier, I'm praying that God takes off the blindfolds, that he opens the eyes of our hearts to see the needs of the people that are around us because as saved people, we're called to serve people and there are people right here next to you that need your help and you need the help of other people that are in this place. We're going to be, Kristen, if you would come. We're going to sing a song and one, one part of this song says, heal my heart and make it clean. 
Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth into eternity. See, you can make a difference in someone someone else's life by being the hand that steadies the plate or the one who helps carry that person's burden when he just can't go any farther. My challenge to you is to allow God to open your eyes to the needs of others, to get involved in people's lives in a personal way by helping them, listening to them, praying with and for them, challenging them, calling them, texting them, encouraging them. Help them to carry their burdens. John 21, 15 through 17, I'm almost done says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you really love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Again, my challenge is, for you to open the, your eyes to the needs of people around you and get involved in people's lives in a personal way. And what I'd like for us to do tonight is to, well, how do I want to do this? I, I was going to do one thing, but I think I'm going to do this a little different. Um, and, the, and that is, if, if you have a need of any kind... If you're hurting emotionally, if you need physical healing, if you have a financial need, if you have a need of any kind that's pressing you, I'd just like you to, we'll just start by just having you stand where you're at, if you would do that. Is, Is there anyone tonight that has a need of some kind that we can pray for you for? Is there anyone else? I'm going to ask Jordan and Dakota to come up here with me. I'm going to ask Dodie if you would come up here with me. And for those of you that are standing, I... I would invite you to come and and just to have some friends pray for you and to help you carry that burden. Would you come? And if any of you, any of the rest of you want prayer, come on forward. And if you want to come and pray for your friends, please come and let's do what we're supposed to do here. Save people, serve people. And right now is a time that you can begin that.